Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. I would say this is like our anniversary episode, but only because it's our wedding anniversary, not our actual like anniversary of recording podcasts. Well, and when this goes live, it won't be our anniversary anymore. Yeah. But... I'm going to try to get through recording both episodes really quickly so that I don't have to do it on our anniversary anymore. Sounds like a wise idea. We are still at that point in the year where there's a lot of signings and trades and stuff happening across multiple leagues, so I'm going to try to punch through those really fast. Sounds like a plan. But first up in the NHL, we actually have... I don't know how much this is news per se, but Jonathan Taves still doesn't know when he's going to be able to return to the Chicago Blackhawks. But your GM, Stan Bowman, said that he's optimistic that the center will play at some point this season, which is kind of broad, very vague, but that was sort of on purpose. Well, especially considering it sounded like he made an announcement about a month ago saying that he was going to play the whole season, so it's like... I think he was saying that he was back to practicing, but not even like practicing with the team. He was just finally able to skate without being absolutely exhausted all the time. So fingers crossed on that. Hopefully we don't have to put him on LTIR and then go find another center because we traded away a few of those during the offseason. Yeah, you did. I think you guys put a lot of eggs in the Jonathan Taves basket. Yeah. Otherwise, I've mostly got signings here for the NHL. The first being for my team, A, because that happened first, but also because it's my team, so of course. Brock McGinn has signed a four-year, $11 million contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. This has an AAV of $2.75 million. It sounds like he's ready to McGinn or begin. (laughs) Zach Aston Reese has signed a one-year, $1.725 million contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday to avoid a salary arbitration hearing. It wasn't scheduled, but he was on the list. Yeah. I think he really wanted more time at a minimum. I don't know that this is like a good contract for him. Yeah. And for your team, Brandon Hagel signed a three-year, $4.5 million contract with the Chicago Blackhawks on Friday. I really like the way that he announced that the contract was existing by announcing like, hey guys, I guess I'm here to stay. Here's a QR code to Dunkin' Donuts. Go get yourself a bagel on me because his nickname is Bagel. So Are bagel places just not common in Chicago? So he went with Dunkin'? Uh, I feel like Dunkin' is just more common. So like... Well, plus they are a sponsor in the NHL, so that would make sense. Correct. But this contract has an AAV of $1.5 million. Which is, honestly, I'd say a little bit of a steal. He's a hardworking player in the third line, so, like, it's not a bad deal. But we also had a bunch of signings for Colorado, and for me, at the time I wrote my notes, none of them had financial terms disclosed. I don't know if that's changed during the week or if you were able to find any of that. Ryan Murray signed a one-year contract with the Colorado Avalanche. She also had Darren Helm, who signed a one-year contract. Tyson Jost got a two-year contract with the Colorado Avalanche, so his is a little longer than the other two. For the Carolina Hurricanes, you had Derek Steppen, who signed a one-year $1.35 million contract. With the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday, Zach Sanford agreed to terms on a one-year $2 million contract. A lot more of these one years again. Happens with a flat cap, I guess. I suppose. I'm hoping that we don't have to just keep signing people to one years. 
For the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday, Logan Stanley signed a two-year $1.8 million contract. This has an AAV of $900,000. Victor Meet, Met? Mete. That's the one. Agreed to terms on a one-year $1.2 million contract with the Ottawa Senators. Aiden Hill has agreed to terms on a two-year contract with the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday. I wasn't able to find financial terms for this one, so who knows? It has an AAV of question mark. Dante Fabro signed a two-year $4.8 million contract with the Nashville Predators on Thursday. This one has an AAV of $2.4 million. And he signed this just in time to avoid salary arbitration hearing that is scheduled for August 20th. Or was scheduled for August 20th. This next one, I'm probably going to mess up how you say this one. Tomas Tatar. You nailed it right on the head. You just got to trust yourself sometimes. Absolutely not. I know this person. I'm never going to trust her. He signed a two-year, $9 million contract with the New Jersey Devils on Thursday. This contract has an AAV of $4.5 million. Yeah, the Devils also made a move as well to sign Igor Sharangovich to a two-year contract with an AAV of $2 million as well. So. Oh, okay. We also had another contract coming out of the Seattle Kraken this week. Marcus Johansson agreed to terms on a one-year $1.5 million contract. And boy, they didn't sleep very long on that. They signed very, very shortly after the defenseman Vince Dunn to a two-year contract with an AAV of $4 million. Oh, okay. So Kraken spending some money. Makes sense. They, they have, have a, plenty to spend. I was going to say they had endless funds, it sounded like. Adam Pellich agreed to terms on an eight-year contract with the New York Islanders on Friday. The financial terms of this contract were not released at the time that I wrote my notes. But eight years is a long time, so either way, he's making a decent amount of money. But speaking of long contracts and a decent amount of money... Darnell Nurse signed an eight-year, $74 million contract extension with Edmonton Oilers on Friday that begins next season. It has an AAV of $9.25 million. I think the craziest thing about that contract is the fact that it makes him the fifth highest paid defenseman in the league. Yeah. Which is impressive. I mean, defensemen get paid well if they're good, but like not that well usually. Yeah, unless you're like a top 10 guy, you're normally not getting paid nearly as well as you probably deserve. Right. Like, ask Jomerson about that. Went over his shots taken per, like, what, 60 minutes, and it was just terrifying. And then I only have two pieces of other hockey news this week. The first being that John Tortorella was hired as a studio analyst on Wednesday for ESPN's coverage of the NHL beginning this season, the one coming up. Yeah. He had coached the Columbus Blue Jackets for six seasons until it was announced on May 10th that he would not return. I don't know how I feel about this because, like, I think he's a really funny guy and, like, watching a lot of those antics he gets up to is fun. He's very direct. We'll just leave it at that. And I like that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know how that's going to translate into coverage. Some of my favorite ones are where he literally, like, interview-wise comes out and just goes... The defense sucked tonight. Bye, guys. Yeah. (laughs) You're just like, what? I'm not going to dance around it. Here it is. Yeah. He was also the one that answered a phone call from a reporter's mother, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Like, I like that a lot. Yeah. Like, he's working right now. I'm sorry. Yeah. And the second bit of news is that Henrik Lundqvist is teaming up with the Garden of Dreams Foundation to donate $100,000 to organizations that provide food to those in need. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I think it's being split among four organizations equally. That's good that other organizations are getting involved and not just being like, uh, just boop. Right. But there was some more news this week. The NHL did announce that they're projecting a salary cap increase for the 2022-23 season. And all the GMs exhaled. Uh, to to $82.5 though, only $1 million more than the oh. cap currently is. After, Maybe they're not. After two straight seasons of flat cap, so it's it's not as big of an increase as I think a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, but I kind of understand it, too, because we're going into the halfway point now of our second year of having to deal with COVID stuff. Yeah, the reason that I think a lot of players and owners were expecting the cap to go up, to be completely honest, was the fact that the NHL reported a $4.8 billion earnings last season. So, But is that up from ordinary years? Is it down from ordinary years? Like, just because you have a profit doesn't mean it's a good profit? Yeah, it's it's up, obviously, over the last previous season due to the COVID thing, but... It's about in line where you would expect it, more or less. So that hence why the owners are kind of like, hey, can we just spend a little more? Right. But the NHL also announced this week that players will no longer be allowed to mingle with fans as the Delta variant of COVID-19 continues to spike in the United States. This includes charity events and local community event appearances. That really is too bad. At the same time, you don't want to try to do charity things and then get people sick. Or get sick. For that matter, I kind of understand where that's coming from. So the players will be pretty much off limits to fans, more or less. Shouldn't it always be the way? No, it shouldn't, but still. I was going to say, are you actually a hockey fan? Am I talking to my wife? I think I'm losing it for yeah, a second. No. I just have a whole problem with people, like, worshipping athletes. That's more my thing than the other thing. They should still be able to do, like, charity events and things around their community, of course. Right. As soon as everyone gets vaccinated. We'll talk about that a little later in the NFL. Won't we, though? (laughs) Won't we? But mostly it was just signings with the NHL this week, which, you know, it's got to happen at some point. It's true. That's all fine. Also, not related to actual news, but we booked some stuff for the beginning of the season, so I'm very excited for that. Yeah, it may be a launch for us into a new platform as well, so we'll see how that goes as well, possibility-wise. I also want to point out that I hate absolutely everyone who is buying the Seattle Kraken tickets and reselling them for three to $5,000 a pop, because that's why we're not going to the Seattle game. Like, I had gotten newsletters, I was in the waiting room, I went to look at tickets, and all of the original tickets were sold out, and it was only resale tickets. So resale tickets have come down since. They're going for about like $700 to $800 a pop now, but that's still pretty That's more pricey. than I would pay. Like, I understand this is like a once or twice in a lifetime opportunity. But exactly. at the same time, I'm not going to pay $2,000 to go see a team that I don't like playing a team that I also don't like. Right. But yeah, for the longest time, the tickets were in the three to $5,000 range, and I was just like, I like hockey. I don't know that I like hockey that much. I think the agreement basically came down to it's not a Stanley Cup final game with either of our teams in it, and at that cost, it's kind of dumb. Yes. Yeah. But all of that's going to happen in the fall because we're getting closer to fall, and I'm so excited for it. Until then, we can talk a little bit about the NFL, which is also going to be starting somewhat soon. It definitely is starting very soon. Preseason is next week. They just had the Hall of Fame game 
on Friday, Saturday, Friday, on Friday. So football is kind of back already, I guess. Still in camp, so a lot of preseason practice stuff going on more so than anything. A lot of fights at scrimmages between two team practices. It's been interesting. I've never agreed with the NFL on doing this just because, like, I get it. It's it's for good press, but a lot of times it's like, these guys already hate each other and you're going to make them practice together multiple downs back to back to back? That just doesn't seem like a good decision. And it's blown up in a couple instances, including our Cowboys most recently with the, the Rams uh, yesterday. So. Oh, okay. So is my understanding that it's two teams practicing together? Yeah. Okay. Because that makes sense. I mean, maybe if they were teams that don't have a rivalry, even then it's like, why am I helping you get better whenever I want to beat you later? Right. Makes no sense. The Cowboys and the Rams aren't really like hated rivalries, but like Aaron Donald is one of those guys that is just very intense. And the lineman that was on the Cowboys was also kind of that type of guy. And maybe they shouldn't have been on the field together because one of them took offense to one thing and... They started throwing each other to the ground, and it was kind of not good. They're just a little too emotional. Yeah. They they were about ready to, to actually punch each other, so it wasn't a good look. Yeah. Yeah. But for this one, we actually have a few injuries to discuss during all these practices and everything else in the offseason. The first one being that rookie receiver Devonta Smith of the Philadelphia Eagles will miss two to three weeks of training camp with an MCL sprain. So I guess he won't need surgery. It's just a sprain, but still. Anything with the knees is just bad. Yeah, usually speaking. And then the Indianapolis Colts have two different people suffering the same kind of injury. The first being quarterback Carson Wentz, who is going to undergo surgery to repair a broken bone in his foot. The initial time frame for recovery is between 5 and 12 weeks, which feels like a massive like range. And that means that they could have him back by the start of the regular season or out until late October. So who knows? Yeah, they basically are in an all-out, let's find a quarterback mode right now. So yeah. we'll see if he comes back. As well, too, Carson Wentz is injury-prone. Like, I would almost compare him to a Marco Royce. When he does play, he's phenomenal. He's lights out. But it's like when he plays is the key term involved. So he's like a quarterback Captain Bubble rep. Yes. All right. But they also had guard Quentin Nelson set to undergo foot surgery and to be out 5 to 12 weeks. So it's like almost the exact same thing, just a different position. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they all need new cleats. Maybe that's what's going on in their organization. Could also be organization. bad. Could be bad turf as well. Yes. Yeah, like knee, ankle, foot injuries all can be related to that kind of stuff. So. There was one other injury. Uh, Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson fell awkwardly onto his shoulder in practice last Friday and has been diagnosed with a sprained AC joint. Hmm. You don't sprain a joint, so I'm wondering what this injury actually is. Like, you sprain ligaments, tendons. It's basically at the joint connection point, the tendons are what are sprained in that area. So, like, that's their concern, more or less. Okay. It's hindering motion. So, not a fun time. It always throws me off when people get hurt in practice because it's like, aren't you supposed to be nice to each other? You're all on the same team. Well, in this instance, they were just scrimmaging and he just fell weird. So, like, it wasn't the opposing player's fault. Like, he wasn't going too hard or anything like that. He just fell strange. And oh, okay. Maybe he's just clumsy. We know how that is. I know exactly how that is. Yeah. 
Could like be walking along the carpet and all of a sudden, ow, my ankle, what the heck just happened? I stepped right. like a millimeter difference. For the NFL though, I only have two signings this week and it seems like maybe I might have just missed some according to what you were telling me over breakfast. But the first one is that Buccaneers and defensive something or another, Todd Bowles. Defensive coordinator. Yes have agreed to a new three-year deal that will pay out more than $3 million per season. That feels like a lot of dollars. And then quarterback Josh Allen and the Bills have agreed to a six-year extension worth $258 million. It has roughly an AAV of $43 million with more than 50% of that money guaranteed. Yeah, so he was guaranteed exactly $150 million of it. Uh, which actually becomes the most guaranteed money ever in the history of NFL contracts, which is pretty impressive. So that's guaranteed even if you're, like, injured or something, Correct, no matter what. If they decide to cut you, whatever it is. Even if you're bad at your job? Oh, yeah, $150 Even if you're toxic and they decide not to play you? Well, there might be, like, stipulations to avoid something like that, but, like, for the most part, you know, it's... Guaranteed. Ethical stuff is the only time it really comes into question, usually. Okay. But Josh Allen's kind of a goody-goody two-shoes guy as it is anyways, so it's like... Probably not going to be a problem. (laughs) Probably not going to be an issue. So, the only other signing I actually had um, that was of, like, importance, at least that I saw, was the Colts re-signed a five-year extension with linebacker Darius Leonard for $99.25 million. $25 million of that is guaranteed. So Almost a quarter of his contract is guaranteed, yeah. or over a quarter. Yeah. Yikes. The even more yikes part of it, I believe he's still actively injured, so like whenever he comes back, he starts to play for that new contract, I guess. So is guaranteed money paid out immediately, or is it just like over the course of your contract at minimum during this time, you're going to get this much a year or something? So it always breaks down on an AAV cost, usually speaking. It goes based off of the collective bargaining agreement, and then they'll break down how many dollars per year you're going to earn. Okay. But you're guaranteed that amount of money no matter what, basically. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say maybe he was able to negotiate that in because he's injured now and he could get that money now, but since it's split up, that doesn't really work out that way. Right. But there was some COVID news in the world of the NFL. I don't know if you had any of it. I mean, I think I vaguely remember reading some of it, but do tell. So the NFL did announce this week that more than 90% of players have had at least their first dose of the vaccine after the numbers were released this past week. That's good. Definitely Good. There's still a lot of holdouts and a lot of people speaking poorly about the NFL's decision to require people to get vaccinated at risk of their monies. But I kind of understand NFL is a business. If you're going to hinder their business, so be it. Well, especially with it coming out that these clubs are going to have to pay if they can't play. Right. They're like, yeah, all of you are going to get the shot. Take like the week off or whatever. Go get your shot. I don't care. Like, just do it. Yeah. Because they don't want to pay whatever that's going to cost. Because, like, you lose money when you don't play. But then on top of that, like we talked about a few weeks ago, if your team is at fault for a game getting canceled this next season, you have to pay whatever they're losing. Right. So, like, do you really want to pay millions of dollars per however many weeks your whole team's going to be out? I don't think so. Right. And then Lamar Jackson this week was activated off the Ravens' COVID-19 list after having a positive test 
10 days prior. Okay. So he was able to come back to practice on Thursday. This is the second time he's tested positive for COVID-19. He missed one game and two weeks worth of practices last season due to COVID-19. So Did he get sick? Or uh, was it... He was sick, but it was mild symptoms because he was vaccinated. So it's just... What about the time before? Uh, yo, yeah, he was definitely sick. So how does he keep getting COVID? Another variant. It's an amazing thing that science True. exists. I just meant like what behaviors has he been... Doing? In? Yeah. Like, what is he no doing? idea. Yeah. Based on what it sounds like, the NFL isn't going to come after him for fines for anything. So I would imagine it, he was just being a normal person and it just happened. Right, right. As you know, that can happen. I do know that. That's annoying, though. You can do everything right and then still get sick. Right. But about the only other thing I could really find in the NFL news world was a lot of discussions about what the Bills are going to do with the new stadium. Are they going to build a new stadium? Are they going to re-sign their lease? And it's just like, who really cares, I guess? like. Well, I think the Bills care. And the fans probably, too. So, but other than that. Sure, their one fan cares. Uh, I would say they probably have a few more than one fan after the season they had last year. but True. <laughs> well, also, Robert Griffin III will join ESPN as a broadcaster. He'll be calling college football games and might also contribute to the network's NFL coverage. I guess it just depends on how everything works out with him doing college football games. And also, the Carolina Panthers have waived safety JT Ibe. Ibe? Ibe, probably. Probably. After an unacceptable practice hit on wide receiver Keith Kirkwood, Kirkwood took a helmet-to-helmet hit from him in practice on Tuesday, August 3rd. Kirkwood was moving arms and legs as he was taken off the field in a cart and loaded into an ambulance. He ended up returning to the Panthers facility after being diagnosed with a concussion. I doubt he went on to practice that day, but... He can't, technically, by the NFL's rules, so... But it could have been a lot worse, based on what they were saying. Any helmet-to-helmet injury could equal being paralyzed, so yeah, absolutely, it could be worse. Yeah. So... Your neck is not really meant to take that kind of abuse. And the last thing I have for the NFL is that the Washington football team will no longer permit fans to wear Native American headdresses or face paint at home games. And I put, they should have done this with the name change, question mark? Because, like, when they became the Washington football team, I feel like that should have been the moment they said, and you can't do this or this. Yeah, there's still some weird things out there, like the the Braves have the chant that they do with the tomahawk throwing motion that they still do, and it's borderline. And then, but the, like the organizations like the Blackhawks and the Indians had already banned those things, like almost a, I feel like a year and a half ago, almost two years at this point. And it's yeah. just like, and you guys are just now getting on that train. I don't understand. Like of all the teams, you think that would be leading the pack due to the fact of like truly having the most racially insensitive name of a team originally before they became the football team you think that it would have definitely been like all right that's done you know and wrap that up but i don't know it's just a bad decision it feels like are they still coming up with a different name now i'm sure they're still actively working on it i i don't think they want to be a flop kind of like the indians are changing their name to the guardians like it just it, it sounds like another golden knights you know it's just like oh this high school team decided to come play in the NHL or play in the NFL, and it's just like, okay. Yeah. And for Major League Baseball, I assume you have way more news than me, as per usual. I had a, not a whole lot, believe it or not, but I do have a few things I'm pretty sure that you didn't have. So oh, okay. 
Well, first up for the MLB, they have announced their Master 2022 Major League regular season schedule, which will begin with all 30 clubs playing on opening day on Thursday, March 31st. The final day of the 2022 regular season will be on Sunday, October 2nd. Why does it feel like it's so early for them to be releasing this schedule? Because, like, we're still playing the 21 season. But the MLB's always been like this. That's the thing. So, like, it's not like the NHL or the NBA where they hold the cards really close to their chest to get the hype up. The MLB's like, you're going to come. We already know. Yeah. Everything's here. Yeah. And and honestly, I, I like it like this, just because you have time to be able to plan things out. Like, but can you buy tickets now? No. But um, but the reality is for a baseball stadiums, like most of them, you can go and just buy a ticket to the game. You know, that being said, like you can do that still at Wrigley Field, and it's a historical field. So right. it's just like you're never under the pressure to make a decision on pulling the trigger on something like that. Like you could plan a trip, and when tickets go on sale, even if you don't buy them the day they go on sale, you can still get tickets. Yeah. So. You know, I, I'm excited. I, I'm hoping to see the White Sox finally play in the new Rangers stadium next year. They're not coming till August, though, so it'll be a while yeah. before I see them about a year realistically from now. I think it actually is the weekend of our anniversary next year, so... Well, I guess I know what I'm buying you for our next anniversary. <laughs> but I am truly excited to get the schedules so that I can like see if I want to plan on going somewhere to see a game or if I could crisscross a hockey game with a baseball series somewhere. Like, yeah. It's always fun to be able to do two sports in one trip if I, you can do it. Yeah. And the Cleveland Indians, soon to be the Cleveland Guardians, have gotten a 15-year lease agreement, speaking of teams, whether they're going to sign or not, lease agreements. And they've also got a plan for a $435 million renovation to the ballpark. This ends the rampant speculation that they would be relocating. Instead, they'll be staying put through 2036 and possibly later, depending on if they re-up after the 15 years. That's good, because the Indians, for a lot of years, were just signing one- and two-year leases with that stadium, so it's kind of like... I think part of them choosing to sign such a long lease agreement was dependent on also all the renovations being planned or whatever. Probably paid for by the city too, let's be honest. Because that's more important than working on the streets. Absolutely. Uh, The MLB announced yesterday that it will be suspending Ramon Laureano 80 games after he tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs. He does the same... That's most of a season, right? Yeah, he's not going to play the rest of this season and a portion of next season. He did the normal thing that players do, like, I didn't know that I was doing these things. And it's like... It must be in the supplements that I have no control over. It's like, listen, man, you got a suspension for 80 games. That's not a oopsie-daisies situation. They probably had you dead to rights, like, if they're giving you a big suspension like that. So you earned it, I guess, is the best way to put it. We did have some COVID instances going on in the MLB this week. A lot of it tied to the teams that are coming back from Florida road trips, one specifically being the Yankees. Uh, The most recent incident of the Yankees is catcher Gary Sanchez uh, was placed on the COVID-19 list after he tested positive via a rapid test. The team is waiting for a response on their PCR tests to get a more accurate answer. But if you fail a rapid test, which everybody has to have before the game, you immediately are pulled from the game. So... As it should be. Yeah. So until the PCR test comes back, he's not going to be 
officially on the 10-day IL. Like, he's on the COVID list, but, like, they haven't put him on IL for it quite yet. Okay. But he is the third player this week to test positive after their road trip to Tampa Bay and Miami. They did a six-game series down in Florida. So it's all Florida's fault. The Delta variant's doing very well in popularity in Florida right now, so... Let's just chop it off and float it out to sea. No one needs Florida. They're literally averaging anywhere from about, like, three to 4,000 new cases a day there, so... Yeah. They're doing a great job. Keep Florida open. Uh, Red Sox placed J.D. Martinez on the COVID-19 list while waiting for test results after he reported feeling sick post a trip to Tampa Bay... Florida! ...and Miami... Good job, Florida. Earlier last week. So it's a proud time to be from Florida, huh? Yeah. When isn't it? Now, this was a weird one. So, like, I didn't find a lot of major trades. It seemed like a lot of minor leaguers were going around now that more or less the big moves were done. Okay. But the Blue Jays traded away pitcher John Axford to Milwaukee Brewers for cash considerations. It was later released by the Associated Press in the Milwaukee area that the value of the cash consideration was exactly $1. Oh, no. Poor boy. Yeah. Why? Is something (laughs) wrong with him? I don't know, Um, but $1 is what the cost for the move was. That's rude. That's almost worse than being like, here, just have him. (laughs) It is worse, I feel like, because at that point it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe you gave us some international monies to play with or something that really doesn't matter right now, like in the league, but $1. When I read that, I was like, that can't be true. So I looked up another article and it was like $1 and I'm like, Okay, another article, $1. I'm like, oh my god, this poor guy got moved for a dollar. That's awful. And then I did have an injury as well. Angels third baseman Anthony Rendon will be undergoing season-ending hip surgery. The surgery is to repair a right hip impingement. I'm not sure on the term, but it doesn't sound like a fun word to have anything to do with your hip. It sounds like there's something in the way of something. So that that's not good. That's not how joints are supposed to work. Not usually speaking. And there was one signing that I had this week as well. The Tigers signed a two-year extension with first baseman Jonathan Shoup for $15 million. His last name, Shoup? Yeah, S-C-H-O-O-P, Shoup. Yep, I know what song was going to go through your head. (laughs) Okay, go on. We can't sing it for licensing reasons, but Mm -hmm. uh, it was made kind of famous by Deadpool more recently, I guess. We'll just leave it at that. Is it in Deadpool? Are you kidding me? I'm going to play the trailer for you after we're done recording so that we don't have to worry about, like, blurring out whole bits of song. And then we had some signings in the NBA. That's mostly what I have for them. I had a little more signings than you had based on the notes that you had. I don't know if you added other things to it, but... Wonderful. You covered pretty much the bare minimum of the, the signings that actually went on, so... That is my goal every week, to cover the bare minimum. Yeah. The first signing is for the Philadelphia 76ers, who have signed a nine-year veteran center, Andre Drummond, to a contract. Terms of the deal weren't disclosed at the time of the article, but he joins the team after splitting the 2020-2021 season with Cleveland and the LA Lakers. The New York Knicks and Julius Randle have agreed to a four-year, $117 million extension to his contract, which sounds like a lot of money. It's well-deserved, though. Like, he was the comeback player of the year last year, so... That's over $29 million a season. I think it was a well-worth-it investment, to be completely honest. And free agent Kelly Oubre Jr. has agreed to a two-year, $26 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. 
This has an AAV of $13 million. The Atlanta Hawks have announced that the team has re-signed forward Solomon Hill. The terms of the agreement weren't disclosed per team policy, so it shouldn't come out at all at this point. Sounds like they had like an NDA because there are players that for the Hawks that have signed that will be spending some monies and they definitely made it known. The article said per team policy, which makes it sound like... We'll talk about two then here momentarily with some monies announced, but yeah, it is what it is. Maybe he just didn't want people to know how much his contract was worth. And per their, his request to the team, the team was like, oh, our policy does say if you say this. And Kevin Durant has agreed to a four-year, $198 million contract extension with the Nets on Friday, which also feels like a lot of money. I would agree on that one. That one is definitely up there. But at the same time, Kevin Durant was one of their top scorers last season. So that's not somebody you want to go somewhere else, usually speaking. Yes. And Stephen Curry finalized his $215 million contract extension for four years with the Golden State Warriors on Friday. The crazy thing about that contract is he becomes the first player in NBA history to sign two $200 million contracts in his career. Right. He gets the big contracts. Yep. As well, too, talking about the Hawks, Trey Young uh, agrees to a rookie max extension with the Atlanta Hawks for five years and $207 million. So, cha-ching. And then Chris Paul uh, is expected to re-sign this week with the Suns for a contract of four years, around $120 million is what he's expected. So, uh, that should be another big moment for him. The Trailblazers re-signed Norman Powell to a five-year $90 million contract. The Kings re-signed Rashawn Holmes to a four-year extension for $55 million. Now, this is a fun one, and I'm shocked you didn't write it because you like to do the weird names from time to time. I probably saw it and then didn't want to have to say it. (laughs) That's probably what happened. Um, The Oklahoma City Thunder signed Shea Gilgius Alexander to a five-year extension valued at $172 million. I figured that one would have been on your radar just based off the dollar amount, but uh, I think you're right. Maybe you did just purposely try to make me say that name. (laughs) The Lakers signed Kendrick Nunn to a two-year $10 million contract. The very next day, they also signed Talon Horton Tucker to a three-year $32 million extension. You just blew past my ability to make a Nunn joke, but all right. Yeah. He's not making Nunn, that's for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. The Hawks re-signed John Collins to a five-year contract valued at $125 million. Kemba Walker has agreed to a buyout with the Oklahoma City Thunder and then immediately signed a contract with the Knicks for two years at $8 million AAV average, so 16 mil. Yeah. So they bought out his contract and then he signed a new one with Cor- someone else? Correct. So they paid him the rest of his contract when they bought it out? Yes. I mean, that doesn't sound that bad since he also got a new job immediately. Yeah, worked out pretty well for him, to say the least. The Wizards signed Spencer Dinwiddie after a team trade that was involved in moving him from the Nets to the Wizards as a part of the Russell Westbrook trade, which involved five teams, is what I believe you said? Yes. It was was messy, to say the least. Dinwiddie signed a three-year contract with the Wizards for $62 million. The Raptors re-signed Kem Birch, their center, to a three-year contract worth $20 million. And the last max contract I have uh, is Jimmy Butler has agreed to a four-year max contract extension with the Miami Heat worth $184 million. 
The Raptors announced that they had done a sign-and-trade with the Miami Heat for Kyle Lowry last week. It didn't get finalized until yesterday, but the Raptors will receive Precious Achua and guard Goran Dragic. But that completes the trade for Kyle Lowry to go to South Beach and play in Miami with Jimmy Butler and Victor Oladipo. So that's going to be a pretty crazy pairing. Not quite like a super team, but really close. And then as of this morning, Team USA won their fourth straight men's basketball gold medal by defeating France 87-82. to Weren't they doing really poorly? How did they win a medal? They played pretty poorly through the group stage and the pre-scrimmages for the Olympics as a team, but they pulled it together enough to get through the group stage, and they've won every game since to win the gold medal. So kudos to them. I do believe as well the U.S. women's... Uh, Olympic basketball team also won gold uh, overnight. And I want to say it's like the sixth of the seventh straight Olympic gold for them. So kudos to the women as well, doing some big things. I know ESPN didn't talk about it, so the least I can do is plug it where it belongs. Right. Right alongside the men's where they truly belong. And the last bit of NBA news is that they announced that the salary cap has been set at 112.5. 414 million dollars for the 2021-2022 season. I hate everything about this. Everything I'm about to say about numbers is bad. No one uses round numbers apparently in the NBA. Yeah, it does look pretty messy based on your notes. It's off-putting. The tax level for the 2021-2022 season is 136.606 million dollars. Good old luxury tax. The Minimum team salary, which is set at 90% of the salary cap, is $101.173 million. Round numbers. Why don't you use them? Why don't you love us? <laughs> but We just want .5s, okay, guys? That's all we're saying. Point zeros are good, too. Yeah. The thing that I don't get about this is the minimum team salary. That's, like, the minimum they have to use for the season out of the salary cap. Is that correct? Yeah. It exists in the NHL as well. You just... Don't hear as much about it. Right, right. Because players are paid so little. Sorry. I'm just trying to understand. So, like, the minimum is 101 and the max is 112, basically. Right, before you go into luxury tax range. Which is expensive, apparently. It's really not as expensive as it should be. Well, I feel like they shouldn't even have it to begin with. But I don't know the NBA. What what do I know? Yeah, they they have it in the MLB as well. It's pretty common in sports, shy of hockey, so that kind of explains why, why maybe you don't weird. grasp it. Yeah. But in the world of soccer, first up is the MLS. I have two things to discuss. I will mess up everyone's names. I've already looked at the names. I've already tried to say the names. They're all going to be wrong. The San Jose Earthquakes have traded for Portland Timbers forward Jeremy Ibobis. Ibobise? Maybe. That would be my guess. The Quakes will send $1.167 million in allocation money to Portland in exchange for the 24-year-old striker. Again, no one likes round numbers. And then Serie A side Venezia? Serie A? (laughs) I'm just going to say you're going to get hell from soccer fans. Would you like to read the thing? Do the honors? No, you're good. All right. Serie A Venezia FC? has agreed to a deal with Sporting Kansas City to sign midfielder Gianluca Buzio. Buzio. Pending a medical evaluation, he holds an Italian citizenship through his father, so that would allow him to qualify as a domestic player in Italy. 
Yeah. Weird thing about Serie A, if you're a domestic player in Italy, you can actually get paid a higher percentage than people coming from outside of the country itself. It's a weird thing that Serie A does that no other league does. <laughs> so it's kind of weird, but I guess that's good for him. He'll probably get more money than he should. I don't know. I don't know who he is, so I can't speak to how good of an addition it is to bring him for to the Venice team. But it is the first team from Venice in years to be in Serie A League One, so like the main league. So like when they legitimately qualified, like the city celebrated like they had won Serie A completely just to make Serie A as yeah. a whole. So it's exciting, I guess. We did have a little bit of soccer uh, this week. It's coming back, international. Yes. Yeah, so most of the international leagues start this upcoming weekend uh, after our recording. So be ready for soccer news next week. In the Premier League, everybody plays the first weekend. There are no sitting out uh, style situations. So there will be soccer to speak of in the Bundesliga. Barring any COVID outbreaks, it's the same thing. We will partially discuss that because there were really only two major games in the DFB Pokal that like you and I at least focus around, but there wasn't really any upsets to be like, this team upset this team. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. So the first round of DFB Pokal was played this weekend. Dortmund played yesterday. Bayern Munich was also supposed to play yesterday. Bayern's game was canceled due to the opposing team experiencing a COVID outbreak. Nice. About eight players the last I read, so. Jeez. Good job there. But Dortmund did play their game, uh, even over concerns the fact that you guys had two players, the opposing team had two players that had tested positive. Uh, But everybody else tested negative, so the game went on. Dortmund ended up winning that game 3-0 over SV Weyhan Weisbaden. That's a fun one. They're like a Tier 3 team, so I expected you guys to win this game in the first round. But what's really cool about the DFB Pokal is when they do these round, like, or Group 3 low-tier teams against the main leagues they usually will have the main league teams play in the smaller stadiums so like fans of the smaller communities can see all these big name players play in their stadium which is kind of cool it's a little more private like field and experience i would imagine so but it was a hat trick for holland the only person that scored scored the 26th the 31st on a penalty kick and the 51st minute as well so i mean do you really need more than that when you have holland yeah, I guess not really. But it was an entertaining game. The goals were good. Their back line on the opposing team just couldn't stay together, it seemed like. A lot of times when Holland scored, it was like he got slipped because one defenseman was too far back and the rest of the defensive guys were too far forward. So it was just this empty space yeah. to play the ball into. And you can't leave space like that with Holland on the pitch. It's just not, not possible to get away with. But like I said, the rest of the world's soccer leagues are going to be firing up this week, so I look forward to talking soccer with you guys next week a little bit, which is exciting for me. Maybe not so much for Liberty, but... If my team wins, I'll be excited to talk about it. That's usually how I deal with soccer. But we will wrap it up here, guys. I think that's pretty much all the sports news we have for you this week. And we will see you on Thursday for a book episode. In the meantime, make sure you're checking out all of our social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you on Thursday, guys. Bye. Bye.